Hey folks, my name is Andy Sitto. I'm a musician, songwriter, and producer living in Denver, Colorado. And my guest this week is musician, songwriter, and composer based in Illinois, Edward David Anderson. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. I'm glad you're here. Um, I, I had a fun weekend. I just got back from Estes Park. I played and actually got to stay at the Haunted Stanley Hotel, which you get told as soon as you go in is actually not where The Shining was filmed. I didn't know that. Um, but some other cool stuff was filmed there. I didn't take a, you know, I didn't do the ghost tour or anything, but... Um, this was all told to me at the front desk upon checking in. But anyway, um, I got to go up for an event called Whiskey and Westerns, where they premiered uh, a Western film starring Nick Cage, actually. And then they had whiskey and there was classes during the day, you know, that would teach you how to, you know, do your palate with whiskey tasting. I don't know how that works. I just like to drink it. Um but they had all kinds of stuff involving whiskey and westerns, and I, I hope that's an annual thing they do because it's pretty neat. Um, and I performed solo on Friday night, and then on Saturday, uh, my full band performed at the theater um, on the campus there with Lucero. We got to support Lucero, which is, you know, a, a favorite band of mine, and uh, it, it was really cool. Of course, I feel uh, fortunate to be able to make music for a living and to be able to do what I love. But that said, some gigs are better than others, and this was one of those better-than-others gigs. Um, it was really cool. The band sounded great. We got the show videoed and recorded, and uh, we got to hang out with the Lucero guys some. Uh, ben came over and, and told me he really liked my songwriting at the end, which, of course, uh, I was very flattered um, about and, and got to chat, chat with the other band members, uh, Rick the keyboardist. We talked shop, keyboard shop a little bit, um, and it was just a, it was just a fun time. I, I love weekends like that so anyway back here back at it back at the eddie v's prime seafood residency with my piano trio and doing the thing my conversation today um is with edward david anderson and he's someone who i've been following for about 10 years i really like his music i love his style um he's a great songwriter great singer he puts it all together well he plays banjo he plays guitar he plays piano started playing some fiddle and he, he's just a great musician um, that I've looked up to for a while and he's actually been on my list for a long time of people that I want to interview and I never end up hitting up all the people I mean I I love interviewing everyone I interview right but I make these lists and then I don't just go down and email everyone on the list I don't know why um, I think it's partly because I, I get contacted about doing a podcast and I say, well, sure, let's do it. Um, a lot of times that's how it works. And in this case, he'd been on my list forever and it was like, oh, just shoot him a message. Oh, I'll do it next week. Just shoot him a message. Oh, I'll, I'll do it soon. And um, he ended up reaching out to me actually because his band, um, Backyard Tire Fire, which recently um, got back together after a hiatus, is coming through Colorado um, later this spring, and he was reaching out about venues. And I said, okay, perfect. So I answered uh, the question about venues, and then I thought, no, Andy, now ask about the podcast. Just do it. And, of course, he said, yeah, I'd love to. Let's schedule a time. And um, I'm so glad we did. I first uh, saw – actually, the only time we've seen each other in person was at the Larimer Lounge 
Um, we were trying to figure out when that was, and I went back and looked, and it was in uh, March of 2013. So it's been almost exactly 10 years um, since we saw each other in person. He was doing a duo tour with Johnny Hickman of Cracker, uh, Backyard Tire Fire, um, had done several shows opening for Cracker, done some tours, and the two of them became friends and uh, fans of each other's music. So they did a duo tour, and I opened that show, and I immediately, um, you know, took took to Ed and, and his music and um, and Johnny as well. Uh, it was a fun night, an influential night for me, and so it's cool to to uh, get to chat with him again now. Um, so he's been in a bunch of different projects. Lately, he's been really focusing on his solo project, Edward David Anderson. Um, after Backyard Tire Fire went on hiatus in 2011, he put out Lies and Wishes, produced by Steve Berlin in 2014, Steve Berlin of Los Lobos, who also has produced a couple records for Taylor Scott, who's been on, on this podcast as well. Um, and then he had Lower Alabama, The Loxley Sessions, a year later, Chasing Butterflies, uh, which is a record I really love in 2018, and then Live and Solo in 2020. So if you're new to uh, Edward David Anderson's music, I would start with Live and Solo. That's my recommendation to you. Um, but he also played in Backyard Tire Fire for a lot of years, um, and they're back together. They're performing again, um, but they formed initially in Asheville, North Carolina, moved to Georgia, moved to uh, Bloomington, Illinois, and they really had a lot of great success. Um, they were doing tour dates with J.J. Gray and Mofro, Cracker, Mother Hips, Will Hoge, North Mississippi All-Stars. They were signed to a few different record labels. Steve per Berlin uh, produced their 2010 record, Good To Be. Um, they did a bunch of cool shit. They were doing uh, festival dates. And in 2011, it got to be too much. They took a hiatus and... Um, and he's done a lot of other projects since then, besides just Edward David Anderson. Also, Alabama Getaway, which features the music of the dead, uh, Black Dirt Revival, and um, a few other things as well. Backyard Tire Fire came back together and recorded again a couple years ago. Um, and they put out uh, some music. Black Dirt, Blue Sky um, is the name of the release. My favorite track off of that is Little Wren as in, spelled the same as Jenny Wren, the Paul McCartney song. Um, and so I'd recommend checking that out if you're new to Backyard Tire Fire and, of course, their their uh, back catalog as well. Wow, I'm looking at the time, and this is the longest monologue I've done in a while. My apologies. Quick thanks to our sponsor, and then let's jump into the show. Thank you to Narrator Music. For simple and affordable licensing for sync, visit narratormusic.com. I'm also accepting a couple new sponsors right now. If you're interested in that, shoot me an email at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this podcast in a monetary way, I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. And if you'd like to support in a completely free way, just give this podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream. Let's jump into the show. So when you come to Colorado, yeah, um, do you? Well, and I guess the dates aren't announced yet. But did you end up? Yeah. It, am I allowed to talk about it? Well, it's not been announced, but basically we got a festival offer, and um, okay. I think that we were getting played on the Colorado Sound. Yeah, and what happened was we just released the first recording in like at least ten years. You know, like right. more than actually more than that. 
And um, as you know, it's sort of we sort of split up around 2011-ish, somewhere in there. Right. And recently started started playing some dates again um, within the last couple few years. And um, as excited as I was to play all like these old, old tunes that meant a lot to me and still mean a lot to me, I really wanted to bring something fresh to the table and sort of a new lineup too, a little bit. There's an, uh, um, it's, well, it's not, it's completely new. Scott, who, uh, who was touring with us, is an actual member now. And then we have a new drummer named John Ganser. But um, I wanted to do something with that lineup in the studio and get new music out in order to sort of, um, I just feel like it just made it more real than just sort of resting on what had already been recorded and already been written. So I had some songs that felt like Tire Fire songs and uh, we put out a record. Um, I guess a couple, I guess it would be you know, at this point, it's two years ago, which is weird. Not about, about a year and a half ago. And the Colorado Sound dug one of the tunes. And because yeah. um, we had a little radio guy working, nothing huge, you know, I was trying to keep it sort of economical and, um, they they did land quite a few stations for us, um, which was interesting to see that there was still interest. And some of them were places that had been playing us all along that never really stopped, which I was like, wow, okay. Um, and then um, some new ones too. So the Colorado Sound, there was we had a good a bit of support from Colorado Radio in the past. I remember doing in studios in different places and stuff. And when we were on tour out there, um, but they picked up a, a song of ours called Alejandro Escovedo. And um, yeah. it's a song that I wrote about one of my favorite songwriters. Yeah. And um, they started playing it. And I think that that's maybe how the festival people sort of, you know, maybe either were introduced to us or maybe reminded of us because it's not like we've been around or, or in Colorado for a long time. Yeah. Um, it's been at least a dozen years. So at this point, um, so yeah, we got, we got an offer. It's, it was, I'm excited to play the fest. And then I figured we'd do a couple of dates while we're out there and um so we got a uh, we've got a couple of club dates that are ones confirmed and ones in the works so it'll probably just be like three nights and you know fly out fly home kind of thing um and yeah but it's exciting to 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 get the opportunity to, to come back and i'd like it to be um sort of planting some seeds for for you know future trips as well not only with the band but i do a lot of playing by myself and obviously i don't tour a ton um these days because we have a three-year-old daughter Right. And I want to be home. But um, Colorado is a place that I would like to go because I have friends and family there. And I just love the Rocky Mountains. And I, I think it'd be really fun to go out there with my family and, and um, my daughter and, and show her the Rocky Mountains. I didn't get to see the Rockies until I was, you know, in my early 20s. Um, yeah. I'd love for her to see that, I think, you know, at age between, you know, she's she's three. So at some time in the next few years, I think that could be really mind blowing for her. Um you know, yeah. it's something, something that she wouldn't forget. So I'd like to get her out there. And I know my wife loves it out there, too. Um, so hopefully this, you know, maybe turns into me starting to come back, you know, at least on a yearly basis or something like that. That'd be great. Well, let me let me know uh, uh, when you know the dates, because I'll absolutely come. Sure. Come watch in in your and you're talking about backyard tire fire right yeah. now. Uh, yeah, and, the tire fire is coming back. Um, It's yeah. it's uh, it's it's I guess, you know, I think the last time we came through was uh would have been February of 2010. <laughs> so wow. it's, been, it's been a while. Um, so yeah, we're excited. excited. So there's going to be some fans that have been wanting a show for almost 15 years that are probably going to come to all three things, right? I don't know. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, oh, Never I bet go. you will. Yeah. I bet you will. Uh, but you've I'll done, yeah. you've done a lot of stuff over, you know, that, that, uh, 
that long hiatus with Backyard Tire Fire. You've been doing uh, Edward David Anderson, your yeah. solo project, uh, Alabama Getaway, which yeah, is yeah. A, a dead project, yeah. and uh, Black Dirt Revival. So you've been keeping busy with music, but as far as um, Backyard Tire Fire is concerned, what was it that caused you guys to take a break in 2011? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's pretty. it's pretty sort of complicated. Um, we called it a break, but it really wasn't. I mean, we didn't even really, I mean, yeah, it was, it was basically, I think hiatus was, was a, a softer way of saying we're done with this shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it, it was, it was a, it was a painful situation. Um, because I had put so much into it. Um, you know, it, it was, it was really a combination of a number of things. Um, as you know, you know, it's not easy to be on the road. We had lived in the van for a long time. Like yeah. we were one of those bands that worked as hard as anybody that I could think of. Um, you know, we were one of those bands that was not afraid to drive to like New York City for a one-off if it was a good one. You know, like yeah. we were just crazy like that. We just did all kinds of stuff. Um, and we we basically lived in the van for years, you know, yeah, hammering it away, trying to build, trying to build in markets. And, um, you know, I think from the surface and from the outside, people were like, how could you possibly take a, you know, take a break when you're at the height of your da 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 da. But I mean, it had been years in the making just to get to where we were and we still weren't where we wanted to be. And people were, um, I think tiring of, of living in the van and not, you know, being away from people they cared about and, and, um, not coming home with any money really to speak of, you know, not very much. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was just a combination of all that. I also think that we, um, and it's interesting because I look back on it, but like the, the partying was pretty crazy. I mean, yeah. the, the <laughs> drinking is, I mean, just like it was, I, it was sort of accepted as normal at that time because that's just what we did and everybody was on the same page. But when I look back at it, um, I remember doing dates with the band Cracker. You know, you, you, uh, we were talking about Johnny Hickman and that's how I met you is through that that date that we we all did together all those years ago. Yeah. But I remember doing dates with Cracker and, and David Lowry's wife, um, Valina, who's the, the owner and operator of the 40 Watt in Athens and, um, mar- you know, like manages Cracker and um, I think we were in Nashville at the third and third and Lindsley, I think is the name of the club. Yeah. And I remember sitting at a table and we were drinking during the day, getting ready for the show. <laughs> and she was like, well, you know, you guys can't keep this up. Right. And we were just like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, I don't understand what, what, I don't even understand what you're talking about. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And she sort of cited a couple of references of some bands. I don't want to even say that she knew that, that tried to sort of go at that same pace that eventually, you know, it, it all kind of came crashing down and, um, I remember just not really understanding it at the time, but I look back on it now, I'm 50 years old and I go, yeah, I mean, we were probably living way harder than we needed to. I think it was affecting not only our psyches in the van, but also like maybe even our play. We probably yeah. weren't always as sharp as we needed to be in big situations. And I look back and it's like, man, we had a lot of really good opportunities and maybe didn't always take advantage, the best advantage of all those opportunities in hindsight, you know, like at the time, um, you know, at the time, securing two cases of Budweiser for after the show on our way into town yeah. seemed very normal. Right, right. What, normal. And how old were you at this time when you're when you're playing those dates with? Well, I mean, I, at that time, I was probably in my mid thirties. You know, like so, it yeah. wasn't like I was a kid. Right, I was living like one sort yeah. of. Um, sure. So I think that probably had something to do with it too. You know, like everybody. Like, you know, I'm so much more healthy than I was then. My brother's way healthier than he was then, you know. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's it was it. I think that we're in in a much better place now. We've kind of grown up, and it's funny um to kind of come back together and have it together. Um, I think we're like it's funny because we didn't play for all those years, but it, and you know bringing in the new drummer and us sort of cleaning it up and growing up a little bit. I think the band's as good as it's ever been. You know, and it's not like we're on the road or we're this sort of well-oiled machine. There's not a ton of rehearsing. It's, you know, like people do their homework and show up ready to go. And we, you know, work on stuff at sound checks and stuff. So there's a little bit of a, um, I don't know, like a urgency when we are playing. It's not this well-oiled machine. It's it, not like a feeling like it could fall off the rails at any moment. But there is a little bit of that kind of like um, just vibe of like passion and energy yeah he's really super grateful to be doing it and it's not um some super rehearsed thing there's things that are just happening on the fly and um you can sometimes feel um songs that maybe haven't been played in a while it takes a couple of times or whatever but you can sort of feel them come together and maybe even sound better than they ever did which is super exciting um and there's an excitement i think also for the people that come to see us that haven't seen us in all these years that get to kind of see us again and see us at really at the at, at the top of our game as as players and maybe even as people um yeah yeah it's a really exciting time to do it again and and i think because we don't do it very often when we do do it everybody really takes it seriously and doesn't take it for granted and, and really savors the moment you know right and it's sure. heavy man when we get after it it's it's an interesting thing um dynamically i think the band's better than it ever was um, the way the shows are a lot of times, I think that we would come out just so swinging. You come out at 11, where do you go from there? Um, I think we've learned how to, I have over the years learned how to shape a set better, um, where it builds. And, and so when it does hit at 11, someone's getting smacked across the face. Like, you know, it's like you've sort of built to that moment. Um, right. So, yeah, I think that, um, on that stand from that standpoint it's you know it's the best it's ever been so it's exciting um it's not the most rehearsed it's ever been we're not playing 200 dates a year but man when we get together it's pretty happening yeah well, it really is and does it feel like a reunion in in a way of hey we're doing a date every now and then as a reunion for ourselves and for the fans or is this something where you guys could continue to play several dates a year and and make records and really get it going again yeah no i think we could definitely play i think we played maybe like maybe 20 shows last year or something like that you know yeah. 20 shows um i'm writing i'm writing a ton excuse me so there'll be more recordings and stuff and and releases and festivals you know we're playing festival dates a good bit and the club dates that we're playing are usually really cool clubs that i want to play. you know we're doing dates that we want to do you know yeah. so right. um i i think as long as we do dates that we want to do and nobody's over extended and people can still you know there's a couple of people in the band that still have day jobs you know or that that, that have day jobs now yeah a couple of us don't and a couple of us do as long as people can keep their jobs and their families happy and um, and aren't being overextended, yeah, I mean, I think it could pretty much go on for indefinitely. You know, like yeah. I, I'd like to, I'd like it to. You know, um, I enjoy playing music with these guys. So yeah. When you were talking about uh, people asking, like, why did you stop at the at the peak of the success? And yes. you see it with groups all the time, um, yeah. for one reason or another. Um, 
and and by 2011, you guys were, uh, you guys had been on, on a label. Uh, was it? How do you pronounce that? The label out of New York is that Hyena. Well, there was like I think we were on three different labels. Like, so you're on um, a few, okay? Yeah, the first one was called OIE Records, and that was based out of Illinois. Um, the second one was Hyena, and that was a New York City based label. And then the last one we worked with Thirty Tigers in Nashville. Okay. Um, and that was, but we released it on our own label, and Thirty Tigers distributed it. Okay, sure. So yeah, we had a few different, you know, things going on. It's all. It actually makes it quite messy as far as like I don't even know who's uh, who's got what or like <laughs> trying to track down stuff and and um, like Hyena went under, you know, is defunct. So like that that record's not even available. But I just right. got the master from our old manager. Um, wow. And I can upload that, I think, um, if I have a, a working CD player that I can um, get it uploaded to the internet, I can start get, getting that stream streamable again. The places right. we live, that record. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, it's, it's, it's sort of, uh, sort of messy as far as like how, what I, what we actually own or don't own or what we can get, um, out there and there's stuff, stuff that's not out there that I'd love for it to be out there. That's not. And, um, there are uh, so stuff that there's, there's stuff that's not on Spotify. I'm, I'm glad you addressed that. Cause I noticed definitely. that, uh, yeah, from the discography, there's stuff that's not up there, but I mean, at that point, uh, you know, you, you've been with a couple of labels, you've done dates with JJ Gray, Mofro and Cracker, like you mentioned, sure. mother hips, will Hodge, North Mississippi, all stars, things were happening. All of these things escalating and, and not being not being healthy as as maybe you guys should have been and stuff. But was there an event where one night everyone said, "Okay, we're done with this"? Uh, no, nobody would do that. You know what I'm saying? Nobody wanted to like be the one that said, "I'm not doing this anymore." Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I don't think there wasn't really any one event. It was a culmination of years you know, of just being worn down. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> ultimately I decided, you know, we're selling this van, you know, and actually Scott and I were sort of starting a new band at that time. It was called magic box. Okay. Um, we put out a record and, and we're trying to do that thing. So I sort of had my eyes on that. Um, I don't know that people that were really into tire fire really dug the fact that he and I were sort of washing our hands and, and moving on. Um, after so much was put into that band and a lot of people were very committed to that band as fans and stuff. Um, yeah. so for us to sort of just branch out, I think people, some people might, might, maybe didn't take that the right way, or maybe it was too soon. I don't know. Who knows? But the band was incredible. Magic box. Um, yeah, there wasn't anything. It was just sort of like, it just sort of evolved or devolved, um, to a point where it was like people, it wasn't very much fun. Yeah. And, um, I, made the decision that I didn't want to, you know, do it if it wasn't really that much fun, you know, and I could tell that it, that it probably would, the smartest thing to do was to sort of call it a hiatus and, and go do other things. And, and honestly, I never really thought that it would, um, that it would come back. You know, I just yeah. didn't really, um, we lost my brother and I lost our mom. That was really hard. And that sort of brought us back together. We started like talking a little bit more and then we lost our sister and that was really difficult. And I think I just missed playing music with my brother, honestly, that was, and just being around him. And we don't, it's not like we have some thing where we talk every day or whatever, but like, he's got a, he's got a young son. I have a young daughter. Yeah. Um, he's up in the Chicago, in Chicago land and has a day job. And um, 
taking care of himself and his family. Um, but when I do get to see him, it's usually playing music and having fun. And I mean, he doesn't really even drink anymore. I don't really hardly even drink anymore. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a um, it's an it's an opportunity for us to get together in a good way, you know, a healthy way and see each other and love each other and play music together. You know, right. and so like and, you know, I miss playing with Scott, you know, our guitar player. And I had been playing music with um, my friend John and Black Dirt Revival. And he's he's a few years older than I am. And he's somebody who I looked up to tremendously as a musician and somebody that I basically always sort of wanted to play music with. It's even yeah. when I was really young, trying to get going in this business. He was somebody that I remember hopping in the van with his band when I was in my like early, early to mid 20s and riding up to the Metro in Chicago and watching his band play and being like, you know, these guys got a record deal. They got a van, you know, like, this is what we need to do, you know, like, so to get to play with him in Black Dirt Revival and then bring him into Backyard Tire Fire was really something that I wanted to do and something that was special. Um, yeah. And that's sort of, you know, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to, but mainly I think the impetus was really just wanting to see my brother, you know, and, and play with my brother and, 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 and um, sort of uh, get him back in my life. You know, and, and so that's that's happened and it's been really good and healthy and good for us. And we both enjoy playing music together again. So, yeah, you seem like someone in general who's never, you know, going through all the musical projects that you do. You've never lost track of uh, what music means for you. Sure. You, you know, you stop you stop doing a BTF when it wasn't when it wasn't fun anymore. But you're all you're always getting involved with projects uh that you love i know you did you know a dead group alabama oh, yeah. getaway i mean yeah. you're just always creating that that's really just a part of who you are is that right yeah definitely i i don't know any other way to do it and I, it's it's um i mean it's very cathartic and therapeutic for me to write um about life and try to make sense of all this craziness with through song um and yeah i love I mean, with the, the dead thing's really fun for me because that's another thing. There's no rehearsals. It's just a bunch of dudes. I mean, the bass player and I started playing together 95, 96. Like, you know, it's like um, he was on some of those early Colorado tours when I was in a band called Brother Jed. We were touring out to Colorado in the mid-90s and stuff, Yeah, even before Tire Fire. Um, so Joe and I are, are go way back, Joe Kennedy, um, and, and Alabama Getaway. And it's he's a huge deadhead and an old-school deadhead. Like, he loves the early, early stuff. Um so it's one of those things and we're also bringing in a little bit of some outside stuff and, and you know like which has been sort of fun like we we were playing like the last time we played we played in memory of elizabeth reed and we played dixie chicken so we were playing some stuff that was sort of outside of the dead catalog but that we all really dig and love and stuff yeah yeah so that's a really open canvas i can pretty much do whatever i want with that and everybody's just happy to get together and play they're just super good dudes um good musicians and everybody you know does their homework and shows up ready to go. And and so, yeah, I love playing with those guys. Black to Revival is a, is a place that I can bring all my solo records and play that stuff with those guys, which is incredible. Stevie, she's an incredible uh, bass player and singer. And I have John Ganser on drums, the Tire Fire drummer um, in Black to Revival. And then I do a lot of solo stuff too. You know, like I, I play a lot of, um, you know, songwritery stuff where I tell stories and, and, um, talk about my experiences <laughs> on the road and just in this business. And um, it's fun to be able to connect that in that way. It's different from a rock show. It's, it's, it's very personal and I love doing that stuff too. So I'm really into yeah. like Guy Clark and Towns Van Zant and John Prine and that kind of Travis picking and, and um, um, 
and storytelling and and those are some of my favorite writers so i when i when i do solo stuff i sort of try to channel that vibe and i really love that stuff too so yeah and and, and then even most recently um I'm, it's sort of hush hush and i'm still working on it but my friend and i are um uh doing music uh for uh PBS program. So I'm scoring some stuff and hoping to get more into TV. And and I have this wow. little studio that I'm in right now, which is about 200 feet from my house, which is over there. We live in an old farmhouse yeah. on five acres. And we have some trail, hiking trails and prairie and a big garden. And I've got my little studio here that I can work in. Um, and I'd like to get more into that kind of thing too, like television and movies and stuff too. So I really, I really love the challenge of, of, um, scoring to images and stuff and, and trying to um, capture the vibe of, of the visual in, in the song, you know, and I, it's really fun. And the guy that I'm working with um, is, is a super, super talented guy who has done a ton of movies already. And he's, he works a lot with Dave Cobb in Nashville. And um, yeah. so he's, he's a, he's a super talented guy, multi-instrumentalist as well. And him and I, when we put our hand, heads together, usually come up with some pretty cool stuff. So, yeah, I just, I don't know what I would do without, being able to create and and make music and and um and write it's 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 um i don't i don't know what where that energy would go i would feel like i would implode yeah <laughs> it would spontaneously combust i need to get it out in certain ways so um music has always been that outlet for me for sure yeah when it's great that you've been able to do it right whether it's whether yeah. it's film and tv or touring with this group or, or touring yeah. with the, i mean it's 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 a really neat thing and you bring up the film and television that's becoming more and more popular for for artists and i think a lot of people like you saying wait a minute i don't have to go on the road 200 yeah. days a year or i can't yeah. go on the road 200 days a year yeah. i have a daughter um it's not a world i've gotten into a ton but i'm very interested in it and i i yeah. went back and took some classes a few years ago where every week they would give us a, a scene and we'd learn about that genre and so you'd have to make a media mock-up with the orchestra and stuff and yeah, it was sure. mm -hmm some of the most fun I've ever had. It is. It's really cool. It's challenging. Making it's different music. from like writing a song, you know, about something that you've been thinking about or like something that's important in your life or even unimportant, whatever. It's, it's a completely different angle. You're coming from a completely different angle. I'm all about like new stuff. I, I love the challenge. I want to learn, you know, I feel like when you stop learning, you die, you know, like yeah. I, I'm always trying to learn more. I mean, I'm, I've picked up the fiddle in the last year. It's like, really? You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm not much of a fiddler, but I have written some stuff on it. And I, have, I do play it out on my solo shows. I'll sit there and stop my feet and play my fiddle and sing. Um, I just want to learn. You know, I'm, I'm always yeah. trying to learn new instruments, um, always trying to just get better. And um, yeah, so like the film and TV thing is definitely something that I want to learn more about and, and, and get into more if I can. So for sure. Yeah. Uh, the fiddle when did you get to a point where you didn't sound like a dying goose playing it because well, the fretless instrument thing sometimes yeah um well it was a weird thing honestly I, I i played a new year's show last year um not this last new year's but the one before and i got covid um from the show and so i self-isolated out of my studio here and my wife and daughter stayed in our house and they never got it. So I just had it out here and I was just foggy and didn't feel good. And I, I, I lived out here, which is really weird also to live 200 feet away from your family for 10 days. Yeah, yeah. Um, it sucked. You know, like I did not like it and it was hard on my wife too. But I had a fiddle. And um, at, in that time period, in that, fir in that, that first 10 days of 2022 or whatever it was, um, I just sat and played several hours a day and just started to get a feel 
yeah. brain a little bit, you know, and, and figured yeah. out what tuning I wanted to play. And, and um, I'm more of a, in the old timey kind of thing, you know, um, it's, it's, I'm not, you know, I'm still, there's a long way to go, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a super challenging instrument and it's really fun when you can get it to sound like what you want it to sound like. Cause you're right. It can be really ugly. So in the beginning there, I was just out here away from everybody. And honestly, the practicing yeah. that I've done, they haven't had to listen to me practice because I have this little right. 10 by 16 studio that I, that I, you know, work in out here. Nobody's really had to hear me sound terrible yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do it by myself out here in the shed. Um, you're right. It is one of the ugliest sounds. I take it back. The dude who gave me the fiddle, um, the day that I got the fiddle, I took it out of the case and I didn't even know how to, what I wanted to tune it to, or I had never even played it. And I just didn't even know how to hold it. And it, that sure. was some of the ugliest sounds that I've ever made with any musical instrument in my life. And the dude that gave me the fiddle witnessed it. So a couple of weeks later, when I had, you know, gotten over COVID or whatever, and I was sort of, you know, he was sort of shocked, you know, that in, in a couple of weeks that I could go from literally sounding just as like as bad as anybody could possibly sound. Yeah. A couple of weeks, I could sort of make it sound like something. And um, so he heard how bad it, it could be. He was the one person that did hear that. And um, luckily, he, he, <laughs> he uh, you know, luckily he gave me that fiddle because, I mean, that's incredible that, um, I, you know, and then another person gave me another fiddle. I went from having no fiddles to having two fiddles in like a matter of a month. And yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun instrument and I, you know, I have written a little bit on it and I play it out when I play solo and, um, it's just one of those things like, um, you know, I think another thing that I'd like to, to, to get to explore is pedal steel. I like yeah. playing slide a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, I've never really played steel where you're playing it, you know, with your hands like this. And, um, I love a dobro, um, at some point, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of different things that I, I'd still like to investigate, you know, um, but steel is definitely one of them. That's, that's something on my list, you know, that I want to. Well, how does different instruments affect your writing? I mean, I know you write a lot on guitar and on mm -hmm. banjo, yep. but it does, do the different instruments affect your composition style or even your songwriting style? Yeah, completely. And you know this because you play multiple instruments and stuff. When yeah. you like a different tone can bring out stuff that you just never, you know, like the first time I started playing banjo and, and was able to kind of roll for the first time, you know, now I'm starting actually trying to pick up claw hammer, which is a totally different feel. And I'm it's it's yeah. it's I'm very in my infancy of the claw ha claw hammer journey. But as soon as I could could start getting a roll going and stuff, um, I wrote something. You know, because it was a different, it was tuned to open G, it was a different sound, it just brought something completely different out of me, you know, like, yeah. it's just, that's just how it happens. And the fiddle too, I mean, like, as soon as I could, was able to start playing melodies on fiddle, you know, I wrote something instantly on it, you know, like in piano, like when I, um, I started playing piano, like, I don't know, maybe 2001 or something, you know, 20 years ago or something like that. And um, right. when we first bought our first house, and I wrote you know, an entire couple of records on piano, basically, you know, right. like some of those tire fire records are most of those songs were all written on piano. Yeah. So it's just, it's different. Yeah. You definitely, the voicings are different. The sound, the tone brings different things out. Um, it's, it's an incredible thing. So I've always want, I always like learning new instruments because it brings new things out. You know, you can't help but be um, affected by the sound and the voicing and just the vibe of it, you know, the feel of it. So yes, yeah. to answer your question for sure, um, different instruments definitely bring out different sounds, and you can be in, you know sort of inspired by something new, you know. Yeah. So yeah, 
Yeah. Right. I mainly write on guitar these days. I mean, that's, that's sort of, that's, you know, it's always been my main thing. Right. But, uh, written a lot on piano, written a lot on um, banjo and um, I guess a little bit on fiddle. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's really neat. What about you? I mean, do you, do you feel like you write when you, I mean, do you feel like what I was just talking about? Do you feel the same way or is that, is it, am I unique? Oh, in that big yeah. time. In fact, yeah. uh, you know, I've probably written more songs on guitar because I didn't realize piano was a songwriting instrument as a kid, yeah. but I'm a much better piano player than guitarist. So it's a yeah. weird, uh, a weird push and pull there. And when yeah. I write on, on piano, which I do more and more, uh, you know, as I've gotten older, uh, there is this compositional vibe, even a musical theater vibe in some of yeah. the songs. Sure. And it's like, well, where does that come from? But on the guitar, I never do that. It's a few chords. Yeah. And so actually recently with uh, my guitar teacher, I told them, okay, my crazy project is I want to learn my most difficult piano songs. And some of them are, are difficult songs. Yeah. I want to learn them on guitar sure, yeah. and it gives them a whole new life. Um, mm -hmm, of course, but it's just, it's so interesting to me because when, when I pull a guitar off the shelf, I'm, you know, off the wall, I'm playing a G chord and singing something. Whereas with the piano, I'm thinking of, I'm just thinking differently. I don't know, but yeah. it's, it's cool. And I love, well, you're trained, uh, right? I mean, like, like a piano, you know what you're actually doing <laughs> on piano. Yeah. 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 I don't know what I'm doing on anything. I've never taken any it's, lessons. Nobody's ever yeah. really showed me anything. Honestly, everything that I know on any of the instruments that I play, I learned from either listening to, to records or from seeing shows and watching people do it. Um, nobody's ever been like, put your hands here or do this or do that. Like everything yeah. is completely from like the ground up. I mean, my dad, I guess when I was 16, showed me like G, C and D and F and A minor and E minor and yeah. E minor, that kind of thing on guitar but that's the only thing that anybody's ever really showed me. Everything else has been from listening to records and figuring it out myself. So yeah. um, I don't have any sort of, you know, when I pick up, when I picked up piano, it was the same, I felt the same way, like when I picked up guitar, you know, it was like, okay, oh, these are the chords and now you can embellish out, out of, outside the chords, you know, you start to find melodies and, you know, I, you know, it's a great songwriting tool, you know, simply laid out very simply. I, I found yeah. myself playing things that I would have never played on guitar. I may, maybe tried to complicate some things on guitar here and there that I just wasn't really even capable of doing on piano, which it sounds yeah. like what you, what you feel like with guitar. Right. Um, piano to guitar. I, that was the way for me going from guitar to piano. But I've never really, um, you know, I've, I've never studied theory or anything like that. I'm just a, an ear guy. Well, and I actually, from listening to your music, I would guess that, that you are trained. I mean, you're, you're an excellent <laughs> player and, uh, that it's a big part of your show. The, what you do on your instrument is a big part of your show. It, mm -hmm. It's not just the, the singing and songwriting. It's the combination of everything. Um, sure. I mean, how, how important is it to you to have, to have both of the, well, I guess all those elements there to be, to be jamming. Uh, on your instrument and to be singing and to be writing meaningful lyrics. I mean, do they all hold equal importance? Yeah, I think so. I mean, honestly, though, I think probably over the years, it's, it's more about the song than, than anything. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I love taking it out on guitar and stuff and getting to sort of build and with a band and, and to improvise and make things happen. I think that's really fun. I, I mean, that's, a, that's like, it's a thrill. Um, I think the song at some point, like in my life, became just king. 
over the jamming over any of that stuff like um you know it's probably when i started listening to you know really really started focusing on like guy clark and towns and prine and stuff you know and i was really studying those guys and i still am um i came you know and it's not like i I know that I can play, but there's a lot of guys that are better guitar and girls that are better guitar player than I am. You know, the guy, the other dude in our band, Scott Tipping, is a monster guitar player. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We bring two different things to the table, but like, he's incredible. It's like, I, I'm very happy just letting, you know, writing a great song and letting him, or a good song and letting him shred and do whatever, you know. Yeah. But at a certain point, I realized that I am not the greatest guitar player in the world. I'll never be the greatest guitar player in the world. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of great guitar players out there. Um, but what I can do is I can bring a unique perspective to the table as a writer. You know, nobody's going to write um, from my perspective because, you know, you, they, they just can't. So it's like that's the one thing that I knew that I could do that maybe, maybe could stand out. Um because if you're trying to be the best guitar player, you're just trying to, that's, that's your thing. There's a badass on every corner. So, but there's not yeah. a badass songwriter on every corner. There just isn't. Yeah. Um, that's something that like you can't really teach. It's like you have it or you don't. And, and um, you work on it. Obviously you hone your craft, you try to get better, but like the, the, I figured out at a certain point that that was where I needed to put my focus was on the songs. And not so much on the jamming and stuff like that, which I love jamming. And like, don't get me wrong, but like, I think that that's where I thought that I, maybe I could set myself apart a little bit. Right. Um, because like I said, you know, you have your own perspective, you're bringing your own thing to the table, lyrically, melodically, subject matter. That's all stuff that's like personal to you, you know? And obviously that, you know, there's, there's a lot of that in guitar playing and, and jamming and stuff too, but there's something that you can do with words and melody and an idea where people can relate and it, it and and um, see themselves in in that, and that's where I, I think the connection can for me is made more these days than you know shredding on guitar, which I yeah. love doing. Um, I mean, we have a tire fire show coming up where we're gonna do a, like an Almond Brothers kind of like collaboration with a friend of ours, and like cool. there'll be so much jamming, it'll be incredible. You know, we're gonna do all kinds. It's it, I love, I mean, I still love doing that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I've definitely sort of um, evolved into more of a song, song dude. But that's one thing about the brothers. They had great songs too. So it wasn't like they could just jam. I mean, they had incredible songs as well. Same yeah. with the dead. The dead had great songs. You know, like it wasn't just um, meandering. Right. Um, and you know, they had incredible songs. So that's probably why I've held on to the dead all these years and they've remained even like relevant in my life still listen to them and stuff um yeah because of the songs their songs are great you know they're, they're incredible songs so and they're really fun to play and, yeah and they allow, they're sort of a canvas to, uh, to allow you to to take it out and from an improvisational standpoint too they're great songs but also great vehicles to like explore you know musically so well, everybody associates the dead in in dead heads in general with Okay, so you're on, you know you want to listen to a 50 minute jam, yeah. and and that and that's a certain type of person that wants to do that. However, uh, the fact that they've stood the test of time and that you can probably still bear, uh, buy Jerry Garcia boxers from Kohl's um, in in you know in the twenty in the 2020s. Sure. Mean, mm -hmm. I mean, means their songs were great. I mean, there, there's nothing there's nothing else that could uh, that could explain you, that. I don't think when you think about like. Some like the most probably the, the the most what like heady complex stuff that the dead uh 
played was sandwiched in between two incredible songs. Like you think about Help on the Way into Slipknot into Franklin's Tower. Franklin's Tower is three chords, but the songs, you know, in between, obviously the jam in between is, is heady and it's cool. And we play that and I love playing that stuff and everything, yeah. but it's sandwiched in between two, two incredible songs. You know what I'm saying? It's not just yeah. some thing that just, you know, ha that meanders and comes out. Of, it's, it's in between two of my favorite dead. I love Help on the Way. It's an incredible song. And I love Franklin's Tower. So, um, it's they, they had the best of both worlds in my opinion now yeah. there's a lot of people that would that don't dig the sound and and i you know there's a lot of people that don't dig neil young's voice i love it you know like it's, right. everything's acquired tastes or whatever but like um the, that's not for everybody you know i know people that just can't stand it that are incredible musicians that are like ah oh, god it's like you know yeah. um but i yeah I, I still i still you know gravitate towards it and i still enjoy listening to it and playing it and that's because of the songs for sure. Yeah. No, no, no absolutely. When the community around it's really cool too. And sure. I, I wouldn't yeah, call myself a, a deadhead by any means. We we ended our set last night with um, Black Muddy River. Just, yeah. I don't know. I hadn't played it in a long time. I did, but just for whatever reason, that's what popped up into someone's sure. head. And you just see people at the bar turn their heads because they're of all generations. There's just that community around. There Yep. There's, you know, it's, it's neat. Um, it is, it is. It's cool that it's, it has definitely stood the test of time. I've noticed if you Google, uh, your name, mm -hmm. you're going to find out about black dirt. Yes. Um, there's, you know, and it, maybe it's a genre of music. Maybe it's a band name. Maybe it's a booking agency management company. Maybe it's a music festival. Um, yeah. all the and, above. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all the things in, in, you described it, um, let's see, I wrote this down, how you described but I thought it was really cool where you kind of described the type of music, Black, black Dirt music, but does that have, um, oh, roots music cultivated in the fertile soil of the Midwest. Yeah, um, sure. So what is, I mean, what is Black Dirt music to you, and is that something that you encompass in all your releases? Yeah, I mean, it's it is everything that you said. It's the name of it started as the name of a band, you know. Yeah. Like like the revival was. Um, I had an agent that was um, getting offers for me to do full band festival stuff. It was like good gigs, and I was like, you, you probably should put something together, you know, because I was just doing the one man band thing, you know, right. for a long time. Where I was playing the kick drum and all that stuff. Um, and so I needed a band, so I put together something called and called the Black Dirt Revival. This is the first thing that kind of came to me. I thought it was kind of cool, you know. Um, obviously we're from, you know, Bloomington, Illinois is, is that's some of the darkest dirt on the planet. It's some of the most fertile soil. I mean, I think Bloomington is in McLean County and McLean County is the highest producer of soybeans and corn in the, in the United States, I believe, as far as counties go. Wow. So, um, we come from a very, you know, rich, rich soil. Um, and, and, uh, that's the name that sort of started with the band. And then, um, we decided that we wanted to, I put out a couple records on Royal Potato Family in New York City, which is great, incredible people, um, loved them, but I sort of decided that I wanted to start my own label and put my own stuff out and, and sort of control my own thing. And so Black Dirt Records was born out of Black Dirt Records. My wife and I used to do our um, winters down in Alabama on the Gulf Coast. We were sitting, eating some lunch one day and we thought, you know, uh, Black Dirt Records, what about Black Dirt Music Festival? You know, maybe we should, we should approach our friends at the Castle Theater in Bloomington and, and, um, and do try to do something like that and so then yeah. the festival was born and um I, I you know it basically you know 
um, you know, I was obviously familiar with the red dirt music scene out of Texas, Oklahoma, right. that sort of region and stuff. And it's like, you know, it, it certainly sort of um, was inspired by that, you know. Um, yeah. But I, I sort of think that I do believe that um, places around, you know, really the world, um, your 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 surroundings and your location probably have an effect on, you know, what you, what you play and how you sound, you know, what right. you've been exposed to, just your upbringing and stuff. So I do think there's a Midwestern sound. I do. Yeah. And um, I think like Uncle Tupelo would be a, or Wilco or sure. Sunwalt or even John Prine coming from Maywood, Illinois, you know, like yeah. um, would be considered Midwestern sound sounding. You know, I know Prine lived in Nashville for a long time, but you could never take the Midwest out of that guy. I mean, he, he Midwest to the bone, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. Um, and, and I started thinking about like, different you know like you mentioned we were talking before i think you, you mentioned the mother hips the mother hips sound like california they sound like they, they i mean they just sound like where they absolutely come from. that jingly yeah. kind of california pop and rock and roll they're like somewhere between buffalo springfield and the birds and and um the beetle but you know but they definitely sound like california to me you know yeah. um that's just an example um I, I but i do believe that we sort of can't help but um, sound like where we come from a little bit you know that's just sort of how it works and so when we started thinking about black dirt music um it, it felt like a, a um sort of like a um, the right way to describe that midwestern sound that we have or that that and i think tire fire has it for sure i mean i i, I think i do i know i mean yeah. i was raised 30 miles west of the city of chicago you know, I mean, I know I haven't lived up there since I was 18. I've been sort of more rural in central Illinois and really rural now in Havana. Yeah. But um, I, I, I definitely um, feel like I probably I, mean, I feel like I sound Midwestern, you know, like when I'm when you hear my songs, if someone had to say, where do you think this guy's from? Someone would probably say he's probably from the Midwest. Yeah. And so that was just a way to sort of come up with a, um, something kind of catchy, you know, to, you know, to. I guess, you know, describe the kind of music that, that I play and that tire yeah. fire plays and that is happening maybe in, you know, in the Midwest in general. Um, so people yeah. seem to sort of be gravitating, you know, grabbing onto it. You know, I'm watching it kind of, you know, there are fan pages for, you know, black dirt country music. And I didn't come up with, you know, I didn't, that's yeah. not my page, you know, like um, there are um, people hashtagging black dirt, you know, all over the place in the Midwest. So it's starting to sort of, I think, catch on a little bit, you know, yeah um you know that's cool i you know for me it was just a way to you know describe the music and also i mean ultimately it was the band name that started at black dirt revival right i'm um, thinking about the this you know like the dirt that we you know, walking on top of for all these years and we you know i grew up with black dirt under my fingernails you know playing outside and, and um it just seemed like a um, a good way to describe it so yeah that's where that comes from it sounds like a community that's been there for a long time and you yeah. came up with a name for it i mean that's exciting for people i think so i don't know i hope yeah. so <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um in you're you you've said you're getting uh into some talent buying and, and booking and stuff mm -hmm. too does yep. that does that include uh the the havana songwriters fest and the riverfront concert series yep. and stuff like that as well yeah and my wife it's interesting because my wife worked in like social services for a long time. You know, I yeah. mean, the last job that she had before we started working together in music, before she came out on the road with me, because we did about five years in the van together. 
um, when I was putting solo records out. And I still am putting solo records out, but I'm just not in the van. Yeah. Um, but she did five years in the van with me before we stopped sort of touring and had a child and all that. Um, but before that, she was working. Um, she was the volunteer coordinator for hospice. You know, like she was. Um, and before that, she worked for the YWCA and the Salvation Army and, and nursing homes and like um, and always had sort of a desire. And we talked about like a business, running a business, our own business, sort of controlling our own fate. And it just sort of happened when she started coming out on the road. It started with just selling the merchandise at the shows and helping me. We yeah. working together on the road together, you know. Um, and then um, it sort of became she sort of became like when we started our own record label and we started we left our booking agency. Um, we started booking me myself. We we started working together booking me. Yeah. Nobody gets cut. I do the dates I want to do. I don't have to go somewhere that I don't want to go because they, you know, what somebody wants me to, you know, like start just wanted to control our own destiny with the, with the label and with the booking. So she yeah. sort of stepped into that role, helping me coordinate the label and the releases. And then we started working together on the booking. And then eventually she just started booking. Yeah. And then she basically just became manager. And so, so now she's basically not only managing my career, and helping me run this record label and stuff. She's also talent buying for Distill Brewery and Normal. I mean, I do that too. We're 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 a team, but I mean, from the logistical standpoint and the the, the contacting everybody and all the coordination, that's her thing, man. I mean, I'm I'm there to um, give my creative input on on you know who we want to try to get in there and that kind of thing. And same with the fest the the songwriter festival and same with the Riverfront concert series. But ultimately. She's sending the contracts out. She's doing the emails. She's building the website. She's so she's um, there was always this idea of wanting to own her own business. And there's been, you know, she's talked about wanting to run a health food grocery store or wanting to we were talking about uh, maybe starting to grow cut flowers on our land and have a little flower business. And, you know, there's always yeah. been talk about like businesses. But ultimately, you know, I don't think she ever dreamt about working in the music business she's in it now and she's doing really well at it and she's learning and learned really quick. And so she's kind of a force in the biz and yeah. that's a, has a lot to do with how, what I, what I do and how well I'm doing um, is us working together. And so her, you know, it's basically our business is black dirt management. And she, she's the, she's the chief, man. I'm just, I have a lot yeah. of ideas and, um, can offer input but ultimately she's really sort of pulling the strings she's the one that's doing it all um it's wow. which is kind of incredible she's also yeah. you know i'm 50 and she's 44 and we have a three-year-old so we're also trying to raise a three-year-old and um there's a lot on her plate and she's she does it all it's pretty incredible yeah. and is that something that she's looking to expand and and keep taking on more and more things or, well, or do you guys I mean, like I where it's that, at now that, yeah but it's it's um we're at a point where we can't do much more than what we're doing because with with you know we, we do live rural we don't know a ton of people out here and we're, we're, we're we have a lot on our plate with our child so um we can't really take on too much more than i think we're sort of at capacity at the moment um uh you know we had we've had some other venues reach out to us about talent buying. We've done a little bit of that. I think that, you know, we, we love distill brewery and normal. It's first of all, they make incredible beer, but um, they're just good people, good communicators, um, music lovers, they're deadheads. I mean, they yeah. have, they have a, a, a um, 
it, it's a it's a beer a series of beers that are called the Deadhead. It's like a Deadhead series, and it's different kinds of IPAs and like cool. Um, they're 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 good people. There's a you know VW bus on the property that they you know. It's just a it's a um it's a very cool community. So I think that we're gonna stick with with the still and and continue to to help them build their music scene um, and make that our sort of our main uh, gig as far as talent buying and then continue to try to build this Havana songwriters festival and, um, and the riverfront concert series as well Um, for the songwriter festival. I mean, we've we've got people coming up from Nashville and stuff. So when you get, and when you get to Nashville, let me know and stuff. We'd love to have you up on the fest and stuff. And it's it's one of those things where, you know, we try to put, you know, maybe like three or four different writers in a round and you, you each get a handful of songs and you just get to know one another and tell stories. And yeah. we, we, we've limited the cap at like 50 to 60 people. So it's got to be this quiet sort of listening thing where the writers can get completely comfortable. And it's a really, really cool situation. I've played some other festivals like that in other places, but there's nothing like that in Illinois or yeah. around here. And that's why we wanted to do it. Cause we had done it and experienced how cool it is, you know, right. And so we've been able, you know, we, 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 we sold all the 50 tickets right at, you know, the, for, for the first one, we had some incredible writers out here last year and we've got another really good lineup put together this year with some band showcases too. Um, so we'll continue to build that and also helps our little town in Havana. You know, it's just a small little town, just 3000 people. Um, we're trying to bring more people to this town because it's a really beautiful little town with red brick streets and right on the Illinois river, um, there's bald eagles flying around everywhere. I mean, it's incredible. Like this, this, this little region that we're in, it's hilly. Um, there's sand hills, which it, sand was came down the Illinois River Valley, River Valley, thirteen thousand years ago in glacial form. And eventually, when those glaciers melted, it left sand deposits, which wind blew across the river to the east side. So we're on the east side of the river, and there's these cool rolling sand hills and prickly pear cactus grows wild on our property, and it's it's a really unique region of the country and so we're trying to bring more people here doing things like riverfront concert series havana songwriters festival i play a good bit of gigs here in the summer um at the outdoor place the outdoor stage the stag tap um we're trying to just you know i guess show more people how cool of a place this little town really is i hadn't spent any significant amount of time in illinois other than driving through it until until uh several months ago when I did a couple shows with, with our mutual friend, John Taylor, and I was taken with how beautiful that part of the country is in Coloradans in particular. We're very snooty. I mean, we, we say to everyone from anywhere else, like, Oh, well, it's not, you know, well, you're from Kansas. Well, you're from, (laughs) right. We just say that about everybody because we think that we've got, we've got everything Um, in, and in some ways we do. It, yeah, we do. We do. I'll, I'll be snooty about it now. But no, but there's <laughs> there's other beautiful, beautiful parts of the country. And, and uh, I getting to spend a few days in Illinois, it was There's it was some gorgeous. really, really pretty parts of the state. This is one of them. And I don't think I really realized it until we, we bought this this land out here, how, how gorgeous it really is. Yeah. Um, and the wildlife is incredible, too. Um, there's a couple others. You know, there's a, a state park called Starved Rock, which is, is also on the Illinois River. That's beautiful. Up in uh, north... West Illinois is a place called Galena that's gorgeous where there's, you know, it's Mississippi River thing where there's some there's some hills and stuff. Um, obviously, Chicago is an incredible town. It's a, it's one of the greatest cities in the world. Um, yeah, Illinois is a cool, you know, we dig it. I You know, I'm happy to be here. 
you know, I, I am Illinois through and through. I'm, I'm Midwest through and through. I mean, I love travel and I love, um, you know, I specifically love Colorado, but I, I always enjoy coming home to Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. Very comfortable here. Yeah. So looking forward, what, what's next for you? I mean, you're doing some stuff with Backyard Tire Fire. You seem to still be very active with your, with your solo thing. I mean, what, what do you think the next couple of years look like for you? Yeah. I mean, I want to do some more recording specifically. I've, I haven't put a record out. Um, I put out one in 2020. No, I guess we put Tire Fire put one out in 2021. So it's about, a, yeah. you know, I've, I'm a year and a half since my last release. I've got a, a ton of songs. Um, I'd like to, I have the studio here. I want to continue to do the TV thing, hopefully, if I can get more work with that. But I do want to make another couple records. I would like to do a solo one. Um, and I'd also like to do something with Tire Fire as well. So I think there's going to be some recording projects, you know, on, on uh, that's something that I'd like to get get going. Um, as far as like, you know, gigging, I'd, it's probably going to, you know, very similar to what we've been doing. Um, you know, minimal gigs uh, with minimal travel, um, you know, festivals and gigs that make sense that I want to do. Um, doing the talent buying thing and some other things has allowed me to not have to maybe get out and gig quite as much as I used to, which is, which is nice. Um, so yeah, I want to, you know, work in the studio, um, still continue to probably gig at the level that I'm gigging. Um, yeah. I'd like to get to Colorado. Obviously I'm looking forward to it this year. That's one of those places that I don't want to let go of. I'd like to, you know, I have enough people out there where I, I think it, it's definitely a place that I'd like to get back to on a fairly regular basis. We'll probably get back down to Alabama. We spent seven or eight winters down there in a row um, working the Gulf Coast. That's Those are places that I'd like to – I don't want to let go of that either. So yeah. I could see myself maybe doing a little bit of travel to, to down to the Gulf Coast to do some gigs and then probably some stuff out the, in Colorado, but mainly staying Midwest and mainly Illinois. Um, and just kind of trying to build our, you know, our, our little scene, you know, kind of building our, our songwriter festival, our concert series, building at the still – um, building black dirt um, and, and just, uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of stay the course and just try to be around and be a good dad and husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really, I have this, you know, lofty goal of, of trying to um, get myself back in some, some decent shape too, physically I'm trying to run a little bit and, you know, I, you look good from here. <laughs> back at you kid. How old are you these days now? I'm 31. Yeah. Still just a young buck. <laughs> Well, it's it's really uh, it's really inspiring talking to you because I I think about this all the time. You know, I, I just got married in June. We don't have kids yet. We're we're several years away from doing that. But I do think about well, if you're not a giant rock star in five years, or or even if you are, how do you how do you how do you do it? You know, and and uh, you know, it's interesting that you say that. What's the name of the podcast? What was it again? Uh, middle class rock star. Yeah, middle class rock star. Um, right on the money. Um, I, I, it's weird because I, I, I had this thing where I was chasing everything so hard for so long. I don't even know what I was doing. It was just like, you got to get to this level, but there's always more levels. And, you know, um, I, I think about it sometimes where if I was at maybe even a level or two up, there would be, um, responsibility almost to go, to go out and do more. And, um, if there were people, you know, I, there are, there are certain places I can go that where I can draw people or whatever, but if there was a ton of places that I could go where there was a line out the door for me, I'd probably still be going to those places. You know what right. I'm saying? But the fact right. that I'm sort of a middle-class rock star, as you say, and I don't know, certainly don't consider myself a rock star, 
but a sort of middle, you know, I'm a working musician. Um, I make an all right living doing it and have for a while. Um, but if I was even a level or two up, I would probably be having to work even harder. Right. That I'd be going to more places and traveling more because there would be people that were demanding it and wanting it. And if there was more demand, I'm sort of okay with being where I'm at um, as far as the level that I'm at because it allows me to work. Man, God, I, I, don't, I, I don't even know that I, I might have played 50 shows last year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, you know, it's, it, it allows me to, to work, you know, what, how much I want to. And there isn't any, I don't owe anybody anything. Um, I don't have anybody um, that I feel indebted to as far as like, you know, I got to go out and do this because we, we, we spent this much of these people's dough and, da, 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 and now I got to go and that, there isn't any of that. So yeah. it's just, I sort of control my own destiny. And a lot of that has to do with the level that I'm at that middle right. class level, as you say. And maybe that's a blessing, you know, maybe the fact that it didn't get to where, I was trying to get to um, has allowed me to get to this peaceful place out in the country with my family, raising this child and not having to be gone all the time, chasing whatever it was that I was chasing. Don't get me wrong. I, I, there are times that I really, really miss it. Yeah. I really miss the adventure of being out there and, and uh, with your friends and new places every day and new people and sometimes incredible show. I don't miss the, the, the bummer buzzkill ones on, you know, early weeknights yeah. to nobody in different time zones. Right. But I do, miss, there's a lot that I do you know, miss. Um, so yeah, I mean, I remember some incredible shows in Colorado, you know, Boulder theater, Gothic theater, you know, like all these incredible yeah. um, shows and opportunities, um, ski towns and just fun stuff. You know, I, I miss, there are times that I really miss it. But um, that said, I think that, you know, how it all turned out, maybe it might've turned out for the better. You know, I feel healthy, you know, I feel good. Yeah. Um, yeah. In control, um, responsible. So I don't, I was not feeling any of that while I was doing my thing a long time ago. Well, so. and you, and you have gotten there too, right? I mean, when you think about, touring acts and how far they get i mean you you got very you're doing all far. yeah you got pretty yeah, i mean you we, got pretty we far for Z, we opened for zz top one time in uh the coliseum in our in our hometown and i remember thinking like this is about as cool as it gets i mean like yeah. I, that's one of my <laughs> yeah. favorite bands of all time you know right like, so it's, and this is when my mom was alive she was sitting in like the 10th row you know watching her boys open for zz i mean there's a picture of my mom with dusty after the show, arm in arm, you know, like that's crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some really cool. So we got to do a lot of really cool stuff, and it, we continue to get to do a lot of really cool stuff. Christ, um, just recently, Scott, who plays um, guitar in Backyard Tire Fire, um, we did a lot of dates with Los Lobos back in the day, and um, Steve, you Berlin did a couple of records, yeah. yeah, yeah, produced one of our records, and he produced my first solo record, and um, Scott, um, tipping. Just recently, Caesar Roses from Los Lobos put, you know, sort of put the, had a little band put together to back him in Chicagoland because Caesar lives in Chicagoland now. And Scott was in that backing band, backing Caesar of Los Lobos. You know, we continue yeah. to get to do cool things like that, you know, where we're connected yeah. to people like that. Um, and it's, it's, you know, when we did Black Dirt Music Festival, we had uh, Wilco headlined our second Black Dirt Music Festival and Tire Fire got to play, you know, the set to 2000 people on the street in front of the castle theater, right in front of Wilco, you know, like, wow. so we continue to get to do some really cool stuff. Um, you know, it's just maybe not quite as far away, you know, we're not traveling a whole, a whole ton. And, but, um, 
you know, the fact that people picked up on the new release and played it on radio stations all over the place, you know, that's pretty cool. So, I mean, it's, 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 um, it's weird that it's sort of hung around and that we're still able to get to do cool things. Um, um, we did, we have, we got to do a lot of really cool stuff, but we still get to get to sort of continue to do some, some, some neat stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Well, it's in, uh, in, Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with, yeah, with me. I appreciate and, it. Thank yeah, you for the thoughtful questions, man. It's good to connect again. You know, I, I, I've been keeping up with you too, man. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that you're kicking ass and, and out and gigging and working and, and writing and getting some cool gigs and yeah. 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 Uh, like, likewise. I feel like, so when I played with you, you must've just barely been 21 then because I'm thinking yeah. me and Hickman was, it was about a 10 year, 10 years ago. It um, was about 10 years ago. Yeah, we're doing the duo tour, and there's there's been some talk of 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 uh of getting together again and maybe doing some more duo stuff or whatever, which I'd be into because I love Johnny. But um, you yeah. must have just been a young kid. I remember you being just just barely even of age, probably at that time. Yeah, I think I think I had a beer at that show. I don't yeah. remember for sure, but I think if I remember correctly, uh, I saw Johnny drinking a beer or something, and I thought, you know what, I can have I can probably drink a beer too. So you know. I did. <laughs> well, what I remember about that was thinking that you had something at that time. Like, this kid's good. You know, there's something here. This kid's, you know, like, I remember thinking that, like, you know, just seeing you for a brief set that night at the Laramere Lounge 10 years ago, being like, this kid's got something going, man. So I'm very happy. I was very happy to see over the years you keeping doing it and growing as a writer and, and, and getting gigs and, and out getting out and working. I love the fact that I saw that you came to Illinois. I was like, damn, this kid's on the road too. And he's, he's getting all the way to Illinois. You know, I, I like it. And it's, it's good to see that you're getting after it, you know, and following your, your passion, you know? Well, I, th- thanks. Thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. And, and man, I just love what you do. So I hope we can, uh, you know, chat yeah, let, and do some stuff. Let's connect. I mean, I'll be out in late May. I'll be, you know, we'll be flying into Denver late May. So um, it'd be cool. fun to connect again, man, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Shoot me the shoot me the dates when you got I'll them, like and I'll it. make sure to come I'll out. Like so. Yep. All right. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, man. Bye. We'll see you. Well, damn, that was fun. I feel like if if he and I were next door neighbors, or even uh, you know, in nearby counties, we'd probably we'd probably get together and jam a lot. Uh, cool dude. Grateful he took the time to chat with me, and uh, hope to stay in touch for sure. Um, one more time, thank you. Uh, to all of you for listening, I, I sure appreciate it. And if you'd like to support in a monetary way, I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. You can be a patron for as little as $3 a month, and I put some uh, extra goodies up on there. Um, and also just a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. It just takes a second and uh, really helps the podcast out a ton. Thanks again for listening, and I'll chat with you next week.